Amen. Thanks, Lindsay. Well, as I just dropped my water there, here is your prayer for today, that I make it through this talk without coughing my lungs up. Now, here's the good news for you guys. I've had a cold for a week, so I'm good. It's just a little tickle, right, in the back of the throat that won't go away. So just, just be praying. So, well, let me get going with this story. <clears throat> so my friend Kelly, Kelly and I were hanging out after Saturday morning missions. Kelly's one of our leaders here at North Star. And we were talking about prophetic prayer and communion. If you guys went to that last one, it just, mm, just felt like the Lord was really, really moving in that time. And as we were talking about that, Kelly shared a story about a prayer gathering she was at uh, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, long time ago. And in this prayer gathering, she had a prayer partner and then people brought her somebody to pray for. And as they started bringing somebody, she recognized the woman. They were acquaintances, didn't know her really well. And the woman was already getting emotional. And so they sat her down. And the first question, of course, Kelly asked was, so how can we be praying for you today? And the woman, pretty emotional at this point, said, I've just got so much hatred in my heart. Like, I just want the hatred to go. And Kelly, being an experienced prayer person, knows to ask a little bit more for prayer direction and says, well, is there anything specific that is sparking this hatred in your heart? And this individual looks up at Kelly with tears coming down her cheeks and said, yes, there is something specific that is sparking this hatred in my heart. And that thing is you. That's okay, you can laugh. I laughed too when she shared the story. <laughs> I thought that was ironic. But it's you. I hate you. I hate you. Can you imagine that? And so Kelly asked a little bit further, didn't know the lady really well, well, why do you hate me? And she just said, you have everything I don't. You know, the job, the family, all these things I wish I had, you have and I don't. I hate you. Just looking at you, I hate you. And so talk about an awkward transition. So I don't know what you said in the moment, Kelly, but I imagine it was something like, okay, let's pray that God would remove the hatred in your heart for me. And so that's what they did. They prayed and uh, you've been best friends ever since. No, I haven't been best friends. But it was a nice moment. It was a good moment. And Kelly remembers it being a moment of freedom and happy that they got to pray together. And so why am I bringing this up to you? It has nothing to do with today's talk. Is I just got a little sense this isn't a stretch, that there's going to be some of us over the course of the next two weeks, you're going to be in this position. And there's going to be somebody, family, friend, maybe it's an acquaintance, and they're going to have judgment and bitterness against you. And it's not going to be fair, and it's not going to make sense. And you're going to have a decision to make, just like Kelly did in that moment. You can lash back out, you can be bitter, you can judge, or you can decide, you know what, I'm going to pray. I'm going to love. I'm going to listen. I'm going to encourage. This isn't fair they're looking at me in the wrong light. But what I want you to remember is like the story that Kelly shared is that the individual that's upset with you, they may not have hatred in their heart really for you. They may just have hatred for something in their life that they do not currently like or want to deal with. And sometimes that hatred, that inability to cope, it ends up putting on other people who don't deserve it. I'm not asking you to be a doormat. I'm not asking you to take some sort of abuse. But just remember this story. So when that moment arrives, you can hit the brakes, pause, and go, okay, Father, what do you want me to do in this moment? 
how do I listen? How do I encourage? How do I pray? How do I not lash back? I don't want to be a pessimist, but I just wonder if that moment won't come for a few of us. So let me pray for that as we get going and that uh, the Lord would make us people of patience and peace during this time. So Father, we just love you. We thank you. We, we thank Kelly for allowing us to share that story, Lord. And if we end up in that situation, would you give us courage and confidence in who we are in you to love back, to listen, to empathize, and maybe even to pray. And so Father, I pray for this message. Lord, would you push away any part of me that's not of you? We'd hear your voice. Today would be all about your will and your way. Uh, let me just become invisible, Lord. I pray you would shine forth. It's in your name we pray, amen. <clears throat> well, on February 2nd, which is, what's that, like a month and a half from now, there are going to be some Eastern Orthodox Christians, some Lutherans, some Methodists, and some Roman Catholics that are going to be celebrating a Christian holiday that most of you, I would guess, have never heard of because this is usually celebrated in other parts of the world. And the holiday is called Candlemas. Not a Christmas, but Candlemas. And this is not the beginning of some joke. It actually is a real holiday. And it's also known as the Feast of the Presentation of Jesus Christ. It commemorates the presentation of baby Jesus, 40 days old, 40, yeah, 40 days old in the temple that we find in Luke chapter 2. Now, Candlemas is celebrated this way. You will go to your church on February 2nd. You will bring your favorite candle with you, and they will pray and bless that candle because that's going to be your candle for the rest of the year that symbolizes Jesus Christ, the light of the world. But it's not just a celebration. Candlemas is also the official conclusion of the Christmas season. So what that means is if you have a neighbor that still has their Christmas lights up <laughs> on February 1st, they just might be celebrating Candlemas. Or they may just be as lazy as you think they are. But that's how they did it. On February 2nd, you would go out and all the decorations would come down. And so this little known holiday originates from the story of Simeon. All the way back there in that temple, baby Jesus, 40 days old. Look at Luke chapter two, let's read it. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord which is interesting because he's also the Lord, but nonetheless, you get the point. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. And let me just pause here. This isn't in the notes, but again, these are the moments where people wrestle with the humanity of Jesus. If he's fully God, why are you doing all these things? In fact, the very first Sunday of the year, we're gonna talk about why was Jesus baptized Remember, fully God, but also fully man. It's a, it's a mind blow. Like, it's hard to understand, but this is one of those examples. And so, keeping up with the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons that you would offer. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You know what that means? That means that he was waiting for Israel's Messiah to finally arrive. They had been waiting generations. And the Holy Spirit was on Simeon. Now, whenever you see the Holy Spirit was on somebody, what I want you to immediately think about is he is no longer acting in his own power. Okay. There's a supernatural power working on Simeon and through his life. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that Simeon would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, we don't know much about Simeon. Do you know there's some historians that think he was 113 years old during this time? We know he's been waiting for a while, but we don't know how long he's been waiting for the Messiah when God gave him that revelation. Some people believe that Simeon was part of a group of 70 people that translated the Hebrew Bible into the Greek. There is no importance or value in this story for that point. I just wanted you to think I'm a little smarter than I really am. But nonetheless, all those tidbits of Simeon, what we do know is that he's an elderly man and he's been waiting for a long time for this moment. At some point, the Holy Spirit revealed to him, you are going to see the Messiah before you die. And he has been waiting for this moment. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple court. <clears throat> when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He's saying to God, I am ready to die. You can take me now, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So verse 29 to 32, it's actually known as Simeon's song. It's one of five Christmas songs that Luke records, and each of these five songs, they are new songs. They've never been sung before. Nobody else has muttered these words this way. They are all spirit-inspired, and they're all about Emmanuel, God with us, Messiah born in a manger. And so Simeon's song could be seen as a missionary hymn. The reason why is because it mentions Gentiles coming to faith. But it's not just a missionary hymn. I would say its main function is a worship hymn because Simeon is declaring the goodness of God. God, you made a promise that I would see your salvation and you kept it. That's a moment of worship. God, you are so good. You made a promise I would see your salvation and you kept it. And the goodness of seeing God's face so close to him, it moved Simeon in such a way that he spontaneously began to declare, I am ready to die. God, just take me. I am ready to go. Because I tell you what, when we see the face of Jesus so clearly in our life here on earth, that hunger for heaven is going to climb. That's not just for Simeon. That's for us here today. He sees the Lord, sees the face of Jesus on earth. He says, Jesus, God, I am ready to go to heaven right now. Can you imagine having a moment so powerful with God that you begin to think to yourself, there's nothing else for me to see here. I'm ready to go. Lord, just take me. That's Simeon's posture. His new song was so full of God's goodness that the child's father and mother said they marveled at what was being said about Jesus. And so you have got everybody in this point basking in this warm glow of a hallmark moment. Like it can't get any better. They're there at the temple. Simeon is saying these amazing things about their child. They're these young parents, 15, 14 years old, and they're loving it. And if only Simeon could have stopped talking at that moment. <laughs> if he could have just stopped and handed the child back to Mary and went on his way. Because what he says next just guts that warm glow. And the party comes to a screeching halt. 
Here's what it says, 34. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, not to Joseph, notice that, just Mary, he said. And what follows is the sharpest U-turn, probably in the Gospel of Luke. He says, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. In other words, this child, this cute little boy is going to spark constant conflict all his life so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Like what a mood killer. (laughs) You're having this great moment And if you want to ruin the vibe of a beautiful moment, like this is what you would say. You would tell somebody a sword is going to soon pierce your soul. It works every time. (laughs) And so with the mood just ruined, let me take it one more step. Even more morbid is the fact that Simeon is only talking to Mary. And what this implies is that Joseph is not gonna be around to see any of this. And what historians believe All the scholars out there, they'll tell you this is probably true, that Joseph did not live to see the ministry of Jesus come to life. And so this is one of the wettest blankets that you can find in all the scriptures. Not only is a sword gonna pierce your soul, but you're gonna be dead. And so this is an interesting tension here. What I wanna know is how can we declare the goodness of God in one breath, that God's gonna keep his promise, salvation's gonna come, He's gonna unite the divided, but in the next breath, he's allowing souls to be pierced by a sword. (coughs) He's allowing generational conflict to come. Think about that for a moment as I take a sip of water. (laughs) Such a deep thought. But really, how does that happen? We declare the goodness of God in one breath, but the next, he's allowing souls to be pierced. Simeon's song is a beautiful declaration of God's goodness, but let's be honest, it is attached to an epilogue of pain. And that's where the tension is found. I mean, maybe some of you felt it this morning. Like, weren't you singing earlier? And God, all my life, you've been faithful. And God, all my life, you've been so, so good. And I'm wondering how many of us here in this room, watching online, thought to ourselves, all my life? That's a stretch. All my life you've been good, all of it. Because maybe you're thinking to yourself, my child is gone. My marriage is a mess. I'm about to be evicted. I've been praying for this thing for 10 years and it still hasn't been answered. All my life you've been good, really? Is that what we're singing here? And that's okay. That is okay. If that's the tension you were feeling. I feel it too. I feel it all the time. All my life? Is that right, God? I wonder if Mary ever felt that tension. She may have been marveling at the moment that Simeon was holding her child in her arms. She may have been marveling at God like you just, we can't even describe. But what about that moment when eventually the sword comes and pierces her soul as she's watching her son being pierced on the cross? Was she marveling at the goodness of God then? There's gonna be times, and I'm telling you, this is true for each and every one of us. Do you wanna know what we have in common? The thing that we've got in common is that there will be a time in our life where it is really hard to sing of the goodness of God. It's gonna come. We live in a fallen world. But here's what I want you to remember today. There's nothing else you get. What I want you to take home with you 
is that even though there'll be moments where it is difficult to declare the goodness of God, that doesn't mean he's not good. I know it's hard, but it doesn't mean he's not good. (coughs) So what that's gonna mean is that in our lives, in those tough moments, there's gonna be this confusion. We talk about this in School of Kingdom Ministry. The goodness of God is simple, but his sovereignty is complicated. And what that means is, God, you are good all the time, but because you're sovereign and you're all powerful, why are there still bad things that happen? That's the complication. That's what drives us insane. And so here's what helps me. Again, don't mean to be morbid here, but listen, we're all gonna get to the point where we're taking our last breath here on earth, unless Jesus comes before we die. And when you take your last breath, what scripture tells us in John chapter five is that Jesus will be the judge that we face after death. And as we're facing Jesus at the moment of our death, the entire book of our life is gonna be opened up. And there's gonna be the good, the bad, the ugly. There's gonna be the mistakes, the pain, the hardship, you name it, all the sin, all of it's gonna be right there. And friends and family won't be there to vouch for us. I wish they would be. I'd have friends be like, hey, I know 95 was not a great year for David, but look at 2018. Like that would be wonderful, but they're not gonna be there. It's just gonna be us and Jesus face to face, and he's gonna lift that gavel, and as he brings it down to make the final judgment, for some of you, his eyes aren't gonna focus on those shortcomings. Instead, his eyes are gonna focus on another detail, and that detail has been penned in his blood. And it says, disciple of Jesus Christ in his blood. Somebody who has said yes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior, who died on the cross for their sins and rose again to give them life. Penned in his blood. And so when that gavel comes down, if that's you, if you've made that decision, he will declare you as innocent. And what happens next, that's just the stuff of dreams all the residual heartache begins to melt away. All those earthly struggles be redefined by this heavenly redemption. And that's the moment. That's it. The same moment that Simeon had in the temple because that will be the time where we realize what he realized, that God, you kept your promise. Because what does Jesus say in John 10, 27? Those sheep who hear my voice and follow me will not perish, but have eternal life. And so right there in that moment, God, you kept your promise. And you are so, so good. All of a sudden, everything else we look back on is redefined. God will keep his promise. Here's the hard part about it, is that our view from this basement of earth is so limited. But from the balcony of heaven, I'm telling you, we'll be able to see the goodness of God everywhere all throughout our life. And so one of our greatest challenges is gonna be singing this new song. The old song, which we get from only by having a view from the basement of heaven, the old song is, God, you can't be good because my life is so bad. That's the old song. But the new song that we want to sing as people and followers of Jesus Christ is that God, even though my life is so bad right now, you are still good. And when you take that perspective from the balcony of heaven, you can sing that new song. It is so much easier. I admit, I'll confess, right? This is a challenge we're all going to face as followers of Jesus. One of the greatest challenges is singing about the goodness of God from the basement of earth. 
There's almost nothing more difficult. But it takes practice. It takes supernatural insight, wisdom, practical strategy. And so that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to close this year out. I know we still have EV, but this is our last Sunday. And so this series is going to end by you writing a new song. God loves new songs. All throughout the scripture, what does he say? Sing a new song to the Lord. And so we're going to spend the next five minutes writing a new song that we're going to sing in our own lives. Or you're going to speak it. Worship can still just be spoken. And so we're going to put up a a little bit of a script behind me. This is a declaration script. I want you to, you can take a picture of it. You can start writing it down. We've done this stuff before. (coughs) But what we're going to do is we're going to write a song that has never, ever been sung before. And you're going to put your own words to it. And you guys may know in our Pathway journals, every day we've got a spiritual prompt that we want you guys to do. So you can ignore those up until Christmas because I want this to be your practice. I want this to be the thing that you take two minutes a day and you just speak it over your life. It's like working out. It's like going to the gym and getting the repetitions in because this is not an easy thing to do. We're going to practice singing this new song of God even amidst this epilogue of pain. You are still so, so good. And so after about three minutes of you guys working on this for yourself, I'm going to ask five of you, just five of you, to jump up. Westchester killed it. I waited two seconds. We had five people. The nine o'clock here struggled mightily. But you guys are going to really come through. Five of you. And it can't be five women. We need one man with the courage to step up and share. Man. But um, the reason why I want five of you to share when we're done is there something powerful about public declaration. I mean, that's testimony. That's one of the ingredients of revival. But when you share, because the people that shared here and at Westchester, I mean, they're just burying their souls. There's people up here talking about bad marriages, infidelity, adultery. And when you hear that somebody has wrestled with what you've wrestled with, you come find them afterwards and community is built life and connection begins to grow. And so for you five, I want you to know you're going to get something out of jumping up here and sharing, but you're going to give something to someone else that maybe is going through what you're going through. And so this is a declaration of praise of God's goodness, but we're also writing about some tough things that we've been going through. So take the next three to five minutes to do that. And I'll jump back up and we'll share.
So what will happen is when five of you come up and share, it is gonna take faith. And when faith is released, faith is ignited, faith rises. And so uh, with my sales pitch there, any five people wanna come? Tim Johnson, thank you, got number one, two, three. Don't fight over it. Oh, come on up, yeah. I can't see you guys real well, but I think I see five. One, two, three, four, five. All right, why don't you guys line up right over here? Thank you. Yeah, come on up. Look at these men. Yes. We just destroyed a stereotype right here. But you get to go first, ladies first. And you can read your script if that helps you, front and back. Um, Boy, it is bright. It is bright. Is that Jesus? It is, yeah. Walk toward the light. Um, hi, uh, my name is Eddie Patakis, um, and I want to get through this without crying. Can't guarantee you. Ah, Mom Yisrael, hi. Amen. <laughs> okay, so awesome. I'm Jewish. Um, even though I have been pierced by the swords of Lyme disease, thank you. Lyme disease and a lot of different treatments. And my son's in a cult. I declare today that you, God, are good. I have tasted your goodness on earth through your word, through worship music, through others praying for me, and through my, and through just prayers, my prayers. And you've promised I will experience that goodness forever in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hi, I'm Tim Titus. Uh, I've been coming here uh, for about two and a half years, and uh, uh, North Star has really become a very special place and is uh, a wonderful place to feel like you're home. Uh, even though I've been pierced by the swords of people who walk in darkness, I declare today that you, God, are good. I have tasted your goodness on earth through your tender mercies. You never let go of me, and you keep me in your way. And as you've promised, I will experience that goodness forever in heaven. Amen. Amen. Hello. My name is Paul Bang. Even though I have been pierced by the swords of abandonment and childhood incest, I declare today that you, God, are good. I have tasted your goodness on earth through being married to God's princess, my wife. And as you've promised, I will experience that goodness forever in heaven. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff. Even though I've been pierced by the swords of alcoholism and treachery, 
I declare today that you, God, are good. So good. Yeah. I've tasted your goodness on earth through your grace and your love and compassion and for surrounding me by a community of believers that have helped me get through this time. And as you've promised, I will experience that goodness forever in heaven. Hey, good morning. My name is Tim Johnson. And even though I have been pierced by the swords of self-doubt, I declare today that you, God, are good. I have tasted your goodness on earth through my wife, this community of North Star, and the joy you have placed in my heart. And as you've promised, I will experience that goodness forever in heaven and on earth. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tim. So just, just a quick thank you. Like, thank you for being vulnerable and open and honest. And, you know, they could have chosen any amount of words, but some of those were, were pretty heavy and you could see it. And so thank you, because as I'm watching and I'm recognizing the faith it must take, it doesn't mean if you didn't come up, you don't have faith, but the gift of just watching somebody else exert themselves in faith. And so that's, that's why we never want to cheat the word here at North Star. Like we always want to preach the truths of God's tenets and values and principles, but we also also want to be carving out time to do things like this. It just lifts the level of faith. I love that. So let me close in prayer, and then Rusty's going to come up and take us the rest of the way. So Father, we just love you. <coughs> Lord, we say thank you for all you've done. These declarations that have just been spoken, I pray that you would just cement community and connection through what was shared that people would find those who shared and say, I can relate. I wanna be prayed. I wanna be encouraged by your story. Just the tidbit that you shared, I wanna hear more. So Lord, I pray for those connections. I pray for all of us as we make our declarations over the next seven or so days, Lord, as we sing this new song that we've just written over our life, Lord, that just something would begin to change. Not only mentally understanding, but our hearts being saturated with your goodness that we can't deny any longer. Even when hardship is among, you know, we are within the hardship of the moment, we're able to sing out, gosh, you are good. All my life, Lord, you've been so, so good. Even if the confusion is raining chaos in our mind, Lord, our hearts are on fire for the goodness we're experiencing in you. Lord, only you can do that. So help us to know you and experience you more. It's in your name we pray, amen. we on here? Good. Well, why don't we all stand here as we close off and respond in this way? I tell you, as I'm listening to David um, talk about Simeon, I just took me into a different place. Can you imagine having the promise of something from the Lord Jesus? It says that the Holy Spirit was on Simeon. I wonder what that felt like. You see, that was before the Spirit of God was poured out on, on people after Pentecost. He felt he knew this. It was known of him. It was recorded of him. The Spirit of God was on him. And he had a promise, and he waited on it. And he came to the temple often, but prompted by the Lord, he came, and he saw a 40-day-year-old child born to what some of us might say, other children. <laughs> 
then something stirred. This is it. And the spirit of prophecy came on him. And when the spirit of truth comes on someone, it speaks the truth. This child is destined. And glory to the Lord, it's all there. The high and the low. And I get this feeling that there's some of you that are much like Simeon these days, <laughs> waiting on a promise, waiting for something to come along, to come around. How long, oh Lord? We've said that in different ways before, haven't we? We're about to sing again a song that'll take us into the goodness of God. Psalm 27, a very famous psalm, song, psalm, same word. David wrote it. David was under pressure. David was seeing pressure coming from the countryside and from his own household. And he was, in so many words, go read it, Psalm 27, strengthening himself in the Lord. What was true of promises? My soul says trust, it says in there. But right at the end of that song, it says, I would have, one translation says, I would have despaired altogether had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living as well as in the the day that is to come. Maybe that's where some of you are at. Strengthen yourself in this. The Lord goes, or David goes on to say, wait for the Lord. Wait for him. Simeon holding a baby. I think raising up saying, Lord, it is as you've promised. I don't get to see the end of the day. I get to see the beginning of the day. Maybe you need to hear that today. For those who are prepared to pray, the prayer team, would you all come up front here and we want to bless you. We want to um, be a facilitator of God's space to your heart today, blessing you. And I want to point to you to the left and to the right of this stage and in the back, we have what we have every Sunday is the elements, the representative of a broken body and of blood poured out, symbols that uh, are lost on us a little bit, but we're very clear in first century living. Here's the goodness of God. It seems severe, but it's mercy to you. God can be confusing in all his attributes, but you know, he, he never has to take off one attribute of himself, his goodness, to express the other. No, he's all of them. So there's mystery. This is a mystery. I'd encourage you as we respond, come to the table, come and take the body and the blood into you. Take him in. And as we anticipate gathering with family and thinking about this holiday, Jesus, the incarnation, the very likeness, the very image bearer coming into our midst. Take him into you. Take him into you. I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to ask you to respond and the band will lead us and that might be your response today. Father, we love you. Thank you for your plans. They're past our finding out. Thank you, Jesus, that you're so confident in the Father's plan that you emptied yourself of one 
habitation and poured yourself into living flesh. Something that's mysterious, this incarnation. And we'll take you into ourselves by taking the body and the blood. Come fresh and new as we close out here 2023, Lord. Pray in Jesus' name. Come, respond in any way that you wish. Come, let a prayer team bless you, pray for you. Come, take the body and the blood. I'll come back up in just a few minutes and close this off.